Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve as the campus support team director here at South Mountain Community Church. And uh, we're wrapping up our, our season today. We've been in 1 Corinthians for a long time um, and uh, and today uh, we get to wrap this up. Now, last week you got to meet Trevor, um, who who is with us today, and Paul is back as well. So we're kind of ending with uh, with something unique. We've got Paul kind of wrapping up. Trevor just started in the podcast, so Eric's gone. So Yeah, unless I get <laughs> invited back for a guest appearance, this is it for me. And I want to say thank you, Adam. You've done a wonderful job hosting this, and I've really enjoyed being a part of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, two years now. I think it's been two years that we've been doing this. I'm sure we'll have you on as a guest again. All right. But yeah, well, I'm sure we will. And Trevor's here. Good to have you for your second time, Trevor. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be back. It's kind of interesting being here for your for your last one because this, like, some of my first interaction with you was actually listening to this podcast. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I really like the idea that a potential candidate can listen to the that first uh, two seasons. Seasons, basically. yeah. Maybe the first two seasons to get a feel for who we are. And I think that could easily lead to them saying, you know what, not for me, or hey, this is interesting. I want to pursue this a little bit further. Yeah, it's kind of mm-hmm. fun to go, uh, you know, kind of from old school to new school. Like we always used to think like we just had to get people to like, let's just say talk with Paul when we were interviewing them. Like you got to talk with Paul. Paul's got to kind of like, you know, talk with them and figure out, you know, all these things. And it's like now we can just be like, hey, just listen to this on your own time and then let us know if you have problems with what we talk about. <laughs> yeah. So. So where we're at today is we decided to do a little wrap up. It just it works perfectly well with our schedule and just kind of how Paul's wrapping this up that we're doing chapters 15 and 16 in one episode today. So if you're listening, we're going to be reading out the new international version, the NIV um, per usual, and um, we're going to try to not um, make this take super long with two chapters. So we're going to try and be concise. So Guys, I'm going to kind of read section by section, um, and 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 this first section, what I think will be best, and then you guys can kind of give your commentary. These are, it's so funny for the listeners here. You can't see this, but I got I got two guys next to me. They got pen and paper out. You know, they're 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 analog, old school. They're ready to go on this. So wherever you <laughs> wherever you made your notations, uh, we'll we'll share this. I'm going to read verses one all the way through eleven, and then I'll give you guys a spot to to speak into that. So here's the Apostle Paul. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. 
For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it is I or they, this is what we preach, or this is what you believed. And this is what you believe, sorry. Yeah, I find that uh, pretty important that the Apostle Paul emphasizes that there is a gospel that is the true gospel that you must receive in order to take your stand in Christ. Mm. Now, if you, if you follow a different gospel, it's ineffective in actually placing you in the family of God. So uh, there's a couple important theological concepts here, and that is we actually receive the gospel. It, it, it's something that we—this is our part. God mm. does everything else. Our part is simply to receive this gift, mm. and we do that by faith. I like to say that uh, the whole thing went wrong when we broke trust with God uh, in the person of, of, of the people, Adam and Eve. And mm. uh, when they broke trust, they basically said, I am going to believe the lie. They didn't know it was a lie, but they decided to believe the lie instead of believing God. And so the only way to restore the relationship now is to place our trust, and that means believe that Christ really is the solution to our greatest problem, our sin problem. And and so it's real important that this is the gospel that actually saves. Mm, got it. Excellent. Yeah. Trevor, anything for you to add to that section? Yeah, yeah. I just think um, it's kind of neat how 1 Corinthians 15, from like a theological standpoint, is such an important... It's such an important chapter mm. when it comes to the resurrection in particular. But then even just within the letter, uh, kind of the literary context, you know, um, with the Disorganized Religion series, mm -hmm. walking through all of the different issues, all the ways that this church was uh, kind of drastically disorganized. And mm -hmm. with every one of them, Paul is addressing it and bringing correction and bringing order with the gospel. Mm. And then at the very end, he gets to chapter 15, where he moves into... Okay, this is what the gospel actually is, and then even it, what it, the underpinning for it, what the entire thing is based on, is really the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of interesting seeing the way that this chapter works, how it's really kind of the foundation uh, for, for this whole letter. Um, right, I think so. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to, to note the most controversial passage in this entire letter could be verses 3 and 4. It says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That's not controversial. But that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So we're asking the question, which Scriptures? Mm -hmm. And that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day Again, according to the Scriptures. Now, we can find Scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about Christ dying for our sins. The Messiah, mm. you know, mm. our, our sins will be white as snow. Mm -hmm. you know, he, he, took, he bore our iniquities, yeah. Yeah. Isaiah 53, yeah. all these. But the other is a tough one. You can't find being ra raised on the third day. 
the Messiah being raised on the third day in the Old Testament scriptures. You, you can piece together some allusions to that, uh, Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days, uh, the three-day journey with Isaac being sacrificed on the altar, That's yeah. all kinds of stuff, but no, not really. And so the important thing to recognize is that by this time, by 64 AD, there were scriptures available. Mm. And for instance, Luke's gospel, uh, John's gospel, uh, I think was available. Uh, Peter in First Peter chapter three, Peter refers to the scriptures in in terms of Paul's writings. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we can uh, understand that this could actually be New Testament scriptures that he's referring to, that we know these things. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So maybe he's doing a look back and a look at the present when he's using some of that Absolutely. terminology. This is kind of tied different theologians in knots for a long time, trying to <laughs> kind of make the Old Testament say things. But I think through modern archaeology, biblical archaeology, we and 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 actually the study of uh, textual criticism, all that kind of stuff, we have actually more knowledge now to the earliest manuscripts mm. being available to the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. and to Peter. Got it. Okay, yeah. excellent. So let me go ahead and read on to the next section. Now this is, I say next section just as it's edited, but um, kind of a big section. So why don't I go ahead and read what's... Yeah, what I think it might be helpful before you read. Okay. We, it's always important to find out what is the question that he's answering. Got it. Because Paul's always answering a question. He's always addressing an issue yeah. that the disorganized church, the, mm-hmm. you know, the first Corinthians uh, is, is just all about solving problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a mess. He's trying to clean things up. And so he is addressing the question, what happens after we die? Do we have a body or do mm-hmm. we just kind of become a spirit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we become an angel? What, all these kind of things. And, and by the way, there's a lot of people today that believe that when you die, you become an angel, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Oh, so common. even today, yeah. this is valid. People are are weirded out by the idea of soul sleep, all this mm-hmm. kind of th- thing. So he is addressing that question. Yeah, and even if I just might interject, if, I, if I'm not... And Paul and Trevor are way smarter than I am, but in Greco-Roman culture, wasn't there kind of this tension of which is more important, the physical or the spiritual? Like they're they're trying Absolutely. to like figure like that out, basically. And, and in really uh, in the Greek religions, uh, it would be thought that our physical is dirty, it's sinful, right. it's bad, and who wants to have that? Yeah, we, who wants we to want to be done with the physical? Yeah, and the Apostle Paul saying, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to have a body, and so I'll let you mm, countercultural. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let me read this section. You guys just stop me if need be, but I'll read through a, a pretty good chunk here. So verse twelve is where I'm starting off again. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, if in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for those, or sorry, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, 
we are all uh, of all people most to be pitied. Go ahead, Paul. I just love how he raises the ante. It's kind of like he's all in, pushing all the chips in the middle of the table on the resurrection. Right. Like, yeah. People, we're wasting our time. In fact, we're kind of evil because we're trying to make people believe something that isn't true. Yeah. Not only should we be pitied, but pity the people that we've influenced. If this is not, this hasn't really happened. This actually has given me uh, quite a bit of comfort over the years as a believer. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's things that, oh man, you know, a, a tragedy, a death, a, uh, just a challenge to my faith. Uh, that that I've endured, and a lot of times I come back to this. And if this is true, mm-hmm. then Christianity is true. Mm. If this isn't true, then yeah, I, yeah. I, I I've got to just move on. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. So let's continue in verse twenty. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, and when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this is done not to, that this does not include God Himself, who put everything under Christ. When He has done this, then the Son Himself will be made subject to Him who put everything under Him, so that God may be all in all. Any comments on it? There's a lot oh, that He's boy. referencing there. You know, He's starting out here with a compare and contrast to Adam and and, and Christ, mm-hmm. and. Of course, uh, it's not controversial for Bible-believing Christians to say that all die in Adam. He was our representative when sure. he rebelled. Uh, now sin was passed on uh, to every single generation. From, original sin uh, is yeah. what that be called. Yeah. yeah, and original sin um, sometimes is talked about as just depravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, how total is to- is our yeah. depravity is 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 argued quite a bit. But yep. the fact is is that our inclination, our natural way of thinking, is mm-hmm. is going to be sinful. We're yeah. drawn to the world. We're drawn to sin, mm-hmm. and so something has to, something radical has to happen in our life in order to change our orientation. Sure, and that yep. is Christ. He he moves into our life, and he and he changes our our uh, desires mm-hmm. to him. Now we struggle if you know he doesn't annihilate our sinful nature completely. We still have to deal with that, but all are dead in their mm-hmm. sins and trespasses because of Adam's sin. But yeah. then he goes on to say, so in Christ all will be made alive. The assumption there is those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. This is not some sort of universalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think somebody could make a big deal about that, but no. The, uh, the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is sufficient for all people. Mm. But it's effective only for those that place their faith sure. in Christ. Yep. I think that's important yep. to get that clear. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love the idea too um, of the first fruits. I think mm-hmm. it's very cool. Um, it's just this idea. It's a language that's used, but it's you know giving the idea of 
So here's something that has happened. We can look to it. It's not complete yet, but because that has happened, it gives us assurance of what will happen. Like mm-hmm. first fruit sounds kind of weird to say, but that's, that's basically the idea there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we can look to his resurrection knowing that we will one day experience the very same thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think the other thing, well, if I could just add yeah. one thing here, yeah. um, is that the background for this paragraph is Psalm 110, kind of this, mm. um, uh, I guess, messianic psalm. You could say that it's talking about the messianic king, and Paul is referencing it here, saying that uh, the fulfillment of that will come about at some point um, with Jesus, kind of at the at the end of the age when everything is put under his subjection. Mm-hmm. And so... Then he continues to develop what will happen there as the chapter goes. But mm. I think it's just kind of interesting to see that that background to it. I, my wife and I just, with my two boys, just attended a, a memorial service for a family member. And it's really tragic. Uh, this um, family member's 30-year-old female had just had a baby, um, died of cancer. I mean, really, oh, wow. from, from discovery to... Um, death was just like three months or something. It was, it was crazy. And the pain of that, the um, tangible grief experienced by everybody uh, can find a little bit of like reconciliation just with the sentence in verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Mm-hmm. It's good to know that God looks at death the same way we do. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the enemy. Yep. It shouldn't be this way. Right. And so we can, when I say reconcile, we're, we can be on the same page as God. Mm-hmm. We can look at this in the same way. We don't have to put on uh, a happy face. We don't have to pretend mm. it wasn't horrible. We don't have to mm-hmm. um, somehow overcome our grief right away or anything like right. that. This right. is a tragedy, and it shouldn't be this. This is an enemy. Mm-hmm. We, we, we naturally fight against this because it's mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I just find that kind of a comforting in, some, in kind of a strange way. It's yeah. a comforting passage to me that Christ agrees. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is death. There's comfort for, you know, if somebody's going through this a season of mourning like that, that mm-hmm. the, in the same way that it breaks your heart, it also breaks God's heart. That, you know, there's, there's yeah, this, this idea of this shouldn't be um, is there. Yeah. Let's go ahead and read verses 29 through uh, 33 and keep the train moving here. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm struck by the importance given to 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine by the LDS Church. Mm, it's, I can ask it, that. They're talking about in their minds. This is this is a reference talking about proxy baptism. Proxy baptism is somebody being baptized for someone else. And obviously, this was a, 
is a practice done by somebody. The thing is, we don't really have a record of the Christian church ever doing this, but people mm. are doing this, and maybe maybe some uh, sect of Christianity was, maybe, I don't know who the Apostle Paul is referring to, but there's no biblical justification for this, that somehow someone else's actions can have a... Uh, a uh, <laughs> the, 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 a positive effect on my mm-hmm. spiritual standing with God. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. somebody else's faith somehow comes to me somehow in some magical way by them doing some sort of work. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. there's no reference to that ever in the Bible. And yeah. so I don't yeah. even know exactly what this proxy baptism is that he's talking about. It could have been pagan, for mm-hmm. all we know. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's not making any argument for its practice. He's right. just saying, why would you even do this if there's no resurrection of the dead? That's yes. all he's saying. And what's yeah. so interesting, Paul, is exactly what you said is what Eugene Peterson kind of goes into with this. This is just the first section of verse 29 out of the message. He says, why do you think people offer themselves to be baptized for those already in the grave? So he's just asking a question. He's right. not giving doctrine. He's not giving practice. He's just saying, why do you think some people do this? Mm-hmm. And he's just throwing it out there. There's nothing really more. So to build a whole practice off of it is a bit of a stretch yeah, uh, yeah. when he's just asking a question. Mm-hmm. I, I love, too, how just brutally honest the Apostle Paul is and, and, and um, bringing to bear uh, the cold, hard reality. If there is no, rec- is the, if there is no resurrection, we all just might as well party and die. Basically, there is no meaning, there is no purpose, there is nothing that moves on. I don't care about legacy, I don't Mm -hmm. care about um, all my achievements, you know, moving beyond my life, you know, Mm -hmm. that victory in the record book somehow is going to be meaningful. No, if we all just turn to dust and take a dirt nap, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's it, it's all over. And I mean, a lot of people prescribe to that. I mean, I think the Apostle Paul is raising something that people actually still today uh, practice and believe, right? Hey, I mean, I'm just going to live life. Right. And to be quite honest, if they don't believe in the resurrection, I don't necessarily blame them, right? Like, I'm like, I guess that's your prerogative. That's what you can choose The thing to do. is, is that faith that, there, faith that there is life after death actually does have a lot of bearing on how we live our life now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's saying here. If you don't believe that, it is going to affect the way that you treat other people. Yes. It's how, do you, how, do you, how do you approach life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think the challenging thing experientially, um, like if he, he's saying, yeah, brutally honest with his logic, if the resurrection is not true, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And Adam, as you were saying, like there are people who subscribe to that. I even remember, I remember using this quote once in a sermon that um, it's, I think it's I think it's kind of like a popularly used quote where this guy was saying, um, you know, in some respects there's meaning in the loving relationships that I have, but at some point I'm going to die, and everyone that I love is going to die, and everyone who even knows them is going to die, and there will be no memory, no recollection whatsoever Ooh. for who we are, and so really. It's completely. It's everything's completely meaningless. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, in my own experience before coming to faith, that was one of the things I wrestled with was that life felt there was no direction because there was no meaning, there was no purpose mm-hmm. to anything, no direction. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the gifts the resurrection offers is, yeah, all of a sudden life is infused with so much meaning. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's some 
just some fundamental arguments for the resurrection beyond simply what we witness in terms of Christ being raised and the 500 people plus seeing him and all these kind of things. And the idea that justice is so firmly embedded in every single person, and the fact is there is not there is no justice, complete justice in this life. We need a resurrection. We need an afterlife yeah. for that to be fulfilled. Yep. Yeah. And the I know it's quite philosophical in, in its orientation, but why would we long for that if it's impossible? That that's mm-hmm. a that's an important argument for this. But uh, also, if we're going to have justice in the next life, it has to have a judge who's mm. fair and impartial, uh, someone who then also has the power to actually carry out the sentence, you know, whatever mm. it might be. Mm. And mm. this is a great description of who God is. He is the great judge, and all things will uh, be made right in the next life. And that's comforting, I think, to people who feel like they've been victimized, they've been hurt, they've been wronged, whatever, Mm -hmm. in this life. Hey, good news, there is a next life. Yeah, I don't want to... I'll say this as we kind of end and go to this next section, but yeah, I mean, if you... Man, if you do not believe in the resurrection or some type of you know, justice, man, all the pain and hurt and sorrow that you are experiencing, there is no answer for it. Right. And there's no reason for it. Like, you are just left so alone and empty, and that's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's no rhyme or reason or justice that will come for you. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to take on a section here. It's going to be uh, verses 35 all the way through 49, because I just want to keep us moving along here, but I think it's all under the same idea. So we'll go ahead and read this. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will, will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun is one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differs, and star differs from star in splendor. So, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last, Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Ooh, there's a lot there. <laughs> well, I, I love this. Uh, it, it is trying to give comfort to people that they are not going to just float around as uh, unattached spirits, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. type of thing. 
the first idea is a seed that this this body that we have now is is going to actually work like a seed where mm. uh, this body has to go into the ground and then it's going to come to life in a different form. It doesn't mm. look like the seed, but the seed contains in in our world the yeah. DNA or the um, whatever the the yeah. building blocks of the tree that comes mm. from that acorn. Right, right. Uh, and and so the important thing I. Th- for me, I think, is that we will have a resurrected body that's perfectly designed for the state that we are in. So mm-hmm. I think the moment we die, we go to paradise, we'll have a, a new body for paradise. Mm-hmm. Then when the new heaven and the new earth uh, is made by God, we will have a new body for that reality. Uh-huh. And, and so the Apostle Paul is trying to give comfort to people, but he's trying to shine a light on the fact that, you know, if you're, if you're burned at the stake, that's not going to ruin your chances to have a body in the next <laughs> life, all these kind of things. You know, they, yeah. I, I don't know all the issues he's trying to solve here, but uh, we're also like a... He compares us to the different types of flesh, like animals, that sort of thing, and, and then we have a different kind of flesh as human beings. Well. Uh, Basically, the argument is simply, hey, there's different types of bodies for different type of environments, mm. and so there's different glories. All the stars, the sun, the moon, all these kind of things have mm-hmm. different glories. And again, it all feeds into the argument that whatever it looks like, it will be appropriate for that context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So funny yeah. you were talking about that, Paul, because I was just on vacation in southern Utah. We were sitting around a campfire, and uh, somehow we got on the topic of cremation, and I, yeah. they were like, we were just like talking about it. And anyways, like just that idea of like, man, I know like to a degree cremation is, is a pagan practice, whatever you want to call it in history. Um, and then burial for, for Christians has been, you know, that there's gonna be a resurrection one day. But also uh, if you get burned at the stake if you're, or if you get cremated, it's not going to, um, you're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> God, God can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Anything to add on that, Trevor, before we move on to the next No, section? I was actually going to go to that same place. I was going to ask what you guys thought about that. Um, about, about cremation? Cre- cremation versus versus burial. And uh, I have my thoughts on it. Yeah. It's mostly influenced by a pastor that actually I, I heard him talk about in Chicago. Oh, uh, yeah. James McDonald was talking about it one Sunday I was there. Okay. But anyways. What, uh, what, what's your, what's your uh, view? I mean, generally speaking, I think what I've observed, and I think you guys are probably more red than I, but that there's been a practice of burial um, and, predom- and, and a lot in Christianity simply because there's that idea of a weight of a physical resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, and if you have a more, let's just call it pagan mindset that this is it, um, then what's the harm in just cremation? <laughs> you know, there's nothing more, so who, who cares? Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's good. I think the way I would say it, I don't think it really matters. I think either way Correct. is fine. Yep. Um, but I can see... I can see going for uh, like a like a typical like a more traditional burial as like um, I believe in the resurrection mm-hmm. and so I'm going to do this uh, for this particular reason symbolism yes yeah exactly but yeah. Um, I think you're going to be fine no matter what you'll happens. be fine either way <laughs> yeah. I, I do believe that yes I told my as we were having this discussion this very lively joyful conversation to have on vacation I said babe I would really I would like to be buried just like you said I just like the idea of it of mm-hmm. an expectation. Um, but I think if you get cremated, you're not going to have, I think God can figure 
mm-hmm. he created you, he can probably figure out the rest. So, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always reminded that most people need like eight friends so that there's enough guys to carry their casket. <laughs> so, <laughs> you need eight really good friends. So, if you're cremated, you only need maybe one. You just need one. So, maybe yeah. it's a good idea to not be cremated so that you're, you're more. Uh, friendly in this life. Just, yeah. just a thought. <laughs> That's what Paul's thinking Keep about in right. mind. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read verses 50 through uh, 58, which is going to end chapter 15. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your, that your, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's the end of chapter 15. So we uh, were, our bodies now are perishable, but they will be raised imperishable. I think the the big discussion right now is, does that apply to everybody, or do you have to have faith in Christ to be raised imperishable? In other words, are others Mm -hmm. outside the faith, are they raised imperishable? This actually doesn't answer that question, Mm -hmm. but that's a big question that's being raised right now, and a lot of conversation, but, you know, to, to the important piece there is uh, the Apostle Paul saying, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He's trying to encourage all the people. Death does not have the final say. Mm -hmm. There is hope beyond the grave. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole raised imperishable thing, um, I think what I find especially encouraging about that and hopeful about that is that, um, you know, like death reigns over all of us. Every one of us dies at some point. And yet, um, there's also the um, the experience of just kind of a, like affliction or having uh, some kind of sickness or some mm-hmm. kind of physical ailment in yeah. a long-term basis, kind of a long-term suffering in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the promise here is that that won't, um, that won't continue with you. That's part of your perishable body. But when yeah. you're raised imperishable, uh, you'll be raised in perfection and no longer will you suffer in those same ways, whether it's a heart condition or um, you know whatever it might be but and and the apostle Paul is, is he's saying everything that you just said and, and he's saying that so that mm-hmm. and I love the the kind of wrap up here and, and Paul's famous for ending his letters three or four times yes and so <laughs> therefore you know now he says therefore in 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 verse 58. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. It's an encouragement. Stand mm-hmm. firm. Don't let. Mm-hmm. Don't be rocked. You know by challenges to your faith. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, 
because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, my whole argument about the resurrection reminds you that we that God wins mm-hmm. and that there is purpose and meaning to this life beyond the grave. Therefore, give it all you got, stand mm-hmm. firm, work hard to uh, to see other people have an opportunity to give their life to Christ and mm-hmm. and, and enjoy all the same things you enjoy. Yep. Yeah. So that could be the end of the letter, but it's not. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not. So we're turning the metaphorical chapter page here. I'm reading mm-hmm. this on my laptop here. Uh, so now we're going to move into 16. And 16, chapter 16 is just a wrap-up. It's a lot of just wrapping up here. So verses 1 through 4, I'll just go quickly. Uh, now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Yeah, I love the the phrase, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Okay, so this is very different from 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians, mm-hmm. 9, 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul is specifically addressing uh, the collection of money on a regular basis to support the ministry, especially the ministers. And he's talking about those who teach well, the, the, you know, all the people who minister to you. And he compares and contrasts that with Old Testament priesthood, uh, how they receive their living uh, on the tithe of God's people. So uh, it, he said in the same way, I think that uh, the church uh, leaders, the church workers, all the ministries should be supported by God's people in that church. Now he's talking about a completely different type of collection of, of money, and that is uh, set aside a certain amount of money every week so that when I come, we can gather that money, and it's going to be probably one of his representatives that that collects that money. Mm-hmm. And then it's to be brought back to Jerusalem. Well, what's going on in Jerusalem? Well, there's a severe famine, and this is brought up again in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. What's interesting is that in in 1 Corinthians 9, it's commanded, this is not commanded, this this offering is not commanded, and in uh, chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, specifically the Apostle Paul said, I am not commanding you. Mm -hmm. So this is a relief Mm -hmm. offering, this is free will, this is all about generosity, this is not about the regular support of God's ministry in the church, completely different type of offering, right? But it highly encouraged. Yeah, seems like he's not really required, but highly encouraged. Yeah, mm-hmm. trying to help people out mm-hmm. with this famine. Let's go ahead and read um, all the way from verse five through verse eighteen. This is a section of some some personal requests that uh, that Paul's making to, to to people. So he's talking about his travel here. <clears throat> After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. 
When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one, then, should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia? I'm mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and the labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, ooh, Fortunatus, and Achaeus, I'm just going to say that, arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. Yeah, just kind of a hodgepodge of, uh, hey, don't forget this, and hey, I, you know, here comes Timothy. Yeah. He represents me. He works with me. He's a good guy. What's interesting is he should have nothing to fear. Like, don't don't treat him with contempt. Man, this church is messed up. Like, yeah, why would you receive him? Like, what are you doing here, Timothy? You know, did you come to spy on us? Right. You know, right, whatever. Yeah. The, what he, the Apostle Paul anticipates some some bad treatment. Yeah. By some people, and yeah. and this is uh, part and parcel of why he wrote the letter. Very this is interesting. A, this is a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the thing I was going to say is just with um, yeah at the very end, uh, you know, he's talking about. Stephanus and Achaia, and basically saying, like, um, you know, kind of like honor them that deserve mm-hmm. recognition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, just in the life of SMCC, you know, the succession weekend coming up, a chance to honor you and Jenny. Um, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice tie in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go on to the last section here. This is, this is Paul's third, fourth, fifth wrap up, <laughs> as you said. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here it is. One more thing. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're leaving a voicemail and you're like, oh, and, and, oh, and, you know, that's what it sounds like he's doing. (laughs) So he says here at the end, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Wow. So much for belong before you believe. <laughs> if anyone does not love the Lord, let the person be cursed. See, I, I almost wondered if that was a, a connection back to... I, sometimes you can make connections when they're not there. But I wondered if this was uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the promise to Abraham. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will mm-hmm. curse. And if you look at Jesus being a descendant of Abraham, right, included within that. And so if a person does not love the Lord, then the natural mm-hmm. outworking of the logic of that promise is I think that's what's that, going to happen. I think there's, I think, I love that because sometimes we read this from a very Western point of view and, mm-hmm. and again, trying to read it through Middle Eastern eyes and then beyond that, Hebrew set of eyes and ears. Yeah. And uh, that was very true of of the Jewish people. They had the Abrahamic covenant fresh in their minds all the time and very proud to have Abraham as the father of faith. Mm -hmm. So 
Mm-hmm. We don't want to curse people that don't love the Lord, um, but we do understand that, back to John chapter 3, not verse 16, for God so loved the world, but the next mm-hmm. verse is that God, Jesus Christ, did not, he said, I did not come in the world to condemn the world, for the world is already condemned. Yeah. They're already cursed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to we don't have to condemn the world. We don't have to curse the world. Mm. They're under condemnation and they are mm-hmm. under a curse. And so I have come to save as many as possible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, the apostle Paul is saying the same thing in a, in a kind of a weird way, but it's yeah. very very true. Absolutely. Very cool. We want to we're on a rescue mission, not yeah. on a mm-hmm. condemnation mission. Right, yeah. right. Excellent. Well, I think we're done, guys. I think this is the end of, you know, one of the longest kind of series that we've done, chapter by chapter, excluding today. This was uh, this was two chapters. Two for one. Two for one. Yeah, you guys got BOGO today. So, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so glad to have Trevor um, continuing with us in the future. He'll be on, you know, a lot as well. Paul, thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for SMCC. Um, man, just... A lot of people impacted by your work, and so uh, you're not done, done yet. But on this podcast, <laughs> for for the meantime, you're done. I'll be back. I think you will be. And yeah. I enjoyed every minute of it. And Trevor, welcome. So good to have you here. Yeah. We're very excited for the ministry that you're going to have, hopefully for many, many years here at SMCC. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Absolutely, guys. Well, thank you both for being here today. Listeners, thank you for being here for this season. A reminder, uh, go ahead and leave us a review uh, right now if you can. That'd be fantastic. Uh, if you want to keep an eye out for when we'll start this back up, and again, follow us on social media. You can actually find our social accounts at smccutah.org slash social. Uh, you can find any of the Facebook groups or Facebook pages, whatever, uh, on that page. So uh, we'll usually put out some kind of... Uh, a a heads up when this is coming back out. So, so glad to have had you guys with us on this journey uh, for 15 episodes. And uh, we'll see you again in the future very soon. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.